After awakening from a brutal car accident, James quickly realizes that something is wrong. He recognizes that he's in London, but it's certainly not the London he knows. In this strange new world, which James learns is called Torpor, he befriends Stevie. With her help, James competes to become a white flyer to gain access to the other worlds and to find his girlfriend, Lisa. Will he master the powers of air, fire, water, and earth? Or will the growing tension between James and Torpor's leader, the Controller, stand in his way? That is from Torpor by Kiva McLaughlin, who is joining me today. So thanks so much for, for being here. No, thanks for having me. It's really exciting. So for those of us who haven't gotten a chance to dive into your book just yet, give us a little background about the world and your inspiration for writing it. Yeah, of course. So essentially, um, James is um, on the way to brunch with his girlfriend, Liza. And on the way there, he gets into a car accident and he goes unconscious for a bit and awakens and he's in London, but it's not the London he's familiar with. Everything is quite the same, but there's small things that are off and the people surrounding him are all very unfamiliar and not like the normal people he would see day to day in London. So he's running around torpor and just trying to figure out what's happening to him and no one's kind of reacting with him and talking to him and explaining anything. Um, eventually, a woman who's quite familiar to him bumps into him and explains to him that he's died and arrived in one of the three, I suppose you could call them afterlives, but they're not really afterlives. If you read the book, you'll understand properly, but they're more kind mm-hmm. of the three main worlds that exist. And essentially what happens is when people die, they arrive at either Torpor, Tartarus, or Arcadius. Um, Torpor is the world where everyone that lived a very normal, unexciting life would end up. Tartarus is where people that kind of lived a more daring, you could say bad life, but not <laughs> that's not the case for everyone. And for in Arcadius, that's kind of where the people who've lived a real um, noble life would go. And you're not able to travel between the three worlds. So as you can imagine, a lot of families, friends and relationships get broken up once people do pass on. So yeah, that's kind of a bit about the um, worlds themselves. And then the book itself is just kind of follows James and as he kind of tries to navigate this new world. Um, quite, quite near the start, he bumps into this girl, Stevie, who also has just recently died. And together they kind of pass through torpor, um, trying to find out what's happening and where they should go from there. Um, Torpor is very similar to London. It's set in London, but it's also very different. They Mm -hmm. soon learn that um, there's four powers that only some people in Torpor can access. So they're the powers of air, fire, water, and earth. And Mm -hmm. those people that can access them are called white flyers. And white flyers are also able to travel from world to world. And as I said earlier, um, James was in the car with his girlfriend, Liza, and she's nowhere to be seen. So he thinks, oh, is um, Liza in Arcadius or Tartarus? Or where could she be? So the only way for him to find that out and kind of set things right is to become a white flyer himself, which isn't a very easy process. Only uh, 10 people every year get chosen by the controller, who's the leader of these three worlds, to be given air, fire, water, and earth powers and be, have the freedom to roam from world to world. So that's kind oh, that's of the so overarching <laughs> principle of the book. 
I love that you have these sort of almost Greek inspired um, realms, but then also you have these more ancient elemental magics coming in. What was the inspiration for kind of combining these? I I do love how like portal and urban fantasy tends to combine these really cool aspects of different mythologies. Yeah, so the idea of the book um, came pretty randomly. I've always loved to write. I did um, journalism as my degree, um, but I've I, and I've always wanted to be an author. But I've never, um, I suppose, sat down and thought about properly writing a book for probably the last five years. When I was younger, that's all I could think about was I'm going to be an author. I'm going to be an author. <laughs> but then I suppose life catches up with you, and I eventually decided that it wasn't a very, I suppose. Um, it, it, it wasn't going to just um, happen for me. But right. I mean, that was quite, um, I suppose, bad of me to think that way. And I, two years ago, um, I had this very vivid dream. I would just have bit really vivid dreams in general. But I woke up from it just thinking, oh, my God, that was just like such an exciting dream. I don't know if you ever have them. You just want to like go straight back to sleep and like yeah. be back in that world. <laughs> I want to so, go back. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what happened to me. So what I did was I just uh, wrote it down in um, my emails and I emailed it to myself, went down to my sister and went through all the different notes. And I was like, this would be such an amazing book. And she was like, oh, my God, like you have to write it. So um, I, I didn't do anything with it for two years or so. And then um, just before lockdown, so um, I'm in London. So it was, mm-hmm. um, I think around January, February, I kind of thought to myself, when is going to be the right time to um, write this book? I work in marketing, so I have a full-time job, but I just didn't see what was really stopping me other than I suppose it was probably um, my own fear of writing it and people not responding or like maybe I'd write it and um, wouldn't finish or I'd get a writer's block. But I just kind of decided like I'll never know the answer to that until I kind of throw myself into it. So mm-hmm. it just t- turned out that it was great timing, that it was a week a month or two before lockdown happened and um yeah so I, I just threw myself into the book and a month later I got, actually got furloughed um only for three to four weeks just when lockdown first happened I think my company kind of freaked out a bit just in case mm-hmm. um so th- then I really started to get into it during that time and I spent every day writing um as much as I could and um yeah I, I, so it all it all kind of came from a dream really it wasn't really something that I like sat down and thought about all the different elements of course the dream was all over the place and I had to put <laughs> a lot of structure to it and build up the different characters but um yeah as a whole that's kind of um I suppose how it happened that's so exciting I I think it's really cool how many people who have been stuck in lockdown to to whatever degree have kind of leaned into their weird hobbies or the the things that they always wanted to pick up but never had the time to yeah definitely I'm I feel like for me reading not even just writing but reading in general was something that I love to do in lockdown like usually on my way to work in the morning on the train or the tube is kind of where I would be my favorite spot to read Mm-hmm. But um, obviously that was taken away from me. But this whole new world of, I suppose, writing a novel was given to me. And it was it was really exciting. I really absolutely loved it. The book nearly wrote itself, I would say. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I know, you know ever, do you ever read a book and you just can't wait to see what happens next or what will be on the next page? Oh, even, for sure. Yeah, even though I had um, 
written out an outline. I kind of knew where I wanted to go with the book. At the same time, every morning I'd wake up and be just be so excited to see what would happen next. I don't mm-hmm. know if that makes sense because I'm writing the book, so I know what's going to happen next. But essentially, I didn't. I, I kind of wrote it as I as I read it, and I had mm-hmm. a general idea of where everything would go. But I suppose yeah, everything kind of changes once you actually sit down and start writing. I've I've definitely found that it's interesting sort of during lockdown, I've gone from being a lot more of like a, a plotter. The The past few novels I've, I've written have definitely been more heavily outlined before I even went into the, the writing process. And the projects I've started or sort of continued on during lockdown, I've allowed myself to do that a little bit more, that, that sort of exploratory writing. And it does sort of bring me back to like my, my original roots when I first started writing and how how much fun it was and how much of adventure like like you said you're sort of looking forward to it because even if you know what needs to happen you know you might not necessarily know how your characters are gonna make it happen or how how they're gonna deal with it for sure that's really neat yeah exactly that's kind of I suppose how I felt when I was younger I remember my school teacher teachers always used to say to me oh, you need to write a big detailed plan before you write a book. And I used to, I used to hate it. And I used to be like, no, I'm just going to write and see where, I, where it takes me. So for this book, I, I did um, write a plan. But it was more like, I, I think I had um, 14 chapters. The book's actually 17 chapters. And I probably wrote two or three lines for each chapter beforehand, just a general mm-hmm. idea of where it was going to go. But um, yeah, I suppose the bulk of the actual building of the book and building of the world because obviously it's fantasy so there's a whole um new world or in this case three worlds but the book is mainly in torpor so um Mm -hmm. yeah all of that I suppose came as I wrote it and it was yeah really exciting to write I I did think I was going to get writer's block just because you do think about um I feel like a lot of people think oh writer's block writer's block but I didn't even I don't think there was one day where I sat down and um had any sort of stumbling or yeah, I just I just loved it. And I think it's just because I love the book so much. And mm-hmm. I love the universe that it's in that it kind of um, wrote itself almost. Yeah, I definitely feel like I mean, I've, I've had writer's block, but I definitely feel like more often than not, what I'm calling writer's block is coming from from somewhere else either, you know, I'm, I'm depressed because of whatever circumstances I'm in, or something isn't right something's yeah. not clicking with the book you know yeah or even you don't have the space to write it or the time to write it so exactly. you don't really have the time to think yeah definitely mm-hmm. and because you don't have the time or, or the space or whatever you know it's it's frustrating to think about and I, I do think a lot of times when people say like oh it's writer's block it's like maybe dig dig a little deeper into that because I mean definitely sometimes it is the case but I think more often than not there's there's something else going on there yeah, that's really interesting. Now, like now that I think about it, like that. Um, yeah, there there was definitely days where I wasn't in the mood to write, but um, and that could be maybe writer's block. But I, I think I essentially think that was more of my mood. And obviously, with everything in lockdown and things like that, people aren't at their full spirits. Well, no. I know I wasn't twenty four seven. So, goodness no. So you've mentioned that you know there there are these three worlds, and I saw on your website that. Torpor is the first of three books. Do you plan on on visiting those other worlds with within the sequels? Yeah. So the first book is um, really James and Stevie. Um, Stevie's a girl, by the way, just in case it's not obvious <laughs> with her name. But um, it's really about them 
trying to become Wi-Fi so they can visit those other worlds. For James, it's all about wanting to find Liza and set things right. And Stevie, she has her own reasons for going on the adventure with James, her own personal reasons that we kind of learn throughout the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the way I kind of built the characters and how you really get to know them is through their kind of memories and stories. And um, Stevie has some um, really great great stories from her past that she just doesn't often um share mm-hmm. um she's really strong-willed and outgoing and friendly and she loves to talk and chat to everyone but then really when it gets down to personal stuff uh, she finds it really hard to trust people and break uh, break down those barriers so yeah the first book is um all about um i suppose becoming white flyers and then there is a second and a third book and that is, I suppose, their exploration of the other world, so Tartarus and Arcadius. I won't tell you which um, which <laughs> is which book because you'll find that out. But um, yeah, there definitely will be an exploration into those other worlds. That's cool. Now, is there, I mean, obviously this, this whole plot and these worlds came to you in sort of a organic way. But do you think that once the series is through, do you, do you have other stories that you'd like to explore? Or do you think you're going to sort of wait and see if they also kind of just spring forth, right? Um, so there is these these um, three, and there is 100% um, a prequel that could come out of it. Um, mm-hmm. This prequel would be set thousands of years ago. And um, I feel like if the books are a success, not just... Um, I suppose from other people, but from myself and I do love them, continue to love them as much as I love Torpor. And that is something I would definitely explore. Um, I know it's kind of weird, but I just kind of love and find the kind of subject of death really fascinating. Mm -hmm. Um, I've always been like super scared of dying. Well, not dying itself, but being dead essentially and just what is going to happen. It's like the unknown of it. And there's just so many different theories out there Mm -hmm. of what can happen and nobody is obviously 100% certain of what it is. So I feel like these books, while they um, kind of just came to me, I, I suppose it's also my own thoughts of constantly thinking about death is probably why I was um, dreaming about it. And I suppose they gave me kind of a sense of relief. I know it is fantasy, but where is the proof that um, what I've written about isn't completely possible? Mm-hmm. I was just editing a podcast, um, which will have come out just prior to yours. Um, I was just editing it and we were discussing death and the fascination of mortality and what happens afterwards and also what happens to the people who are left behind. And I think partially because a lot of people are experiencing um, mortality on a much closer level than they, they usually do these days. It's something that a lot of people are thinking about um, on on sort of a different level than than they have been. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, you say that I, I had the dream, I suppose, before everything was happening. But when I was actually writing mm-hmm. it, I mean, it was uh, very immersed in the whole um, situation that's happening. So I suppose, yeah, a lot of those elements, I suppose, probably come out through the book um, subconsciously without me realizing. Uh, that's crazy mm-hmm. that uh, the last person I suppose you're interviewing had kind of a similar. Yeah. Well, I, de- I definitely, you know, I, I focus on the dark, um, you know, more dark fantasy and dark sci-fi and horror and stuff when it comes to genre fiction myself. So I, th- I think I probably gravitate towards authors <laughs> yeah. who, are, who are into that. 
<laughs> that makes sense. I'm kind of the same myself. I love, well, not even dark fantasy, but um, I suppose anything quite um, different than normal everyday life when I'm picking books to read. Like I would never, I never really read just your average contemporary fiction or romance novel, like something out of the ordinary or crazy has to happen. Or even like so much as, um, like I love older authors like Agatha Christie and Jane Austen oh, yeah. just even though that that's probably set in their world it's quite, very different to I suppose the world that we're living in now so mm-hmm. it's, it's still escapism I guess because it's not it's not the world that you're familiar with <laughs> yeah exactly so but it is obviously real life so anything like that I suppose I just I'm quite similar I gravitate towards it this is something I, I always have to ask when people are writing a series because a lot of us will focus on one character, but for you, is there a side character that just really calls to you? I know you, you mentioned having a, a prequel, and for me, I like to flesh out some of those side characters with those side stories. Is that the case for you as well? Yeah, so um, James, I suppose, is the protagonist, and he's very quiet and protective, and but has no problem standing up for what he believes in or going after what he wants. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, And then Stevie, she isn't the protagonist in a way, but she is very central to the book. The, Jane, right. the book is uh, written from uh, not James' point of view, but it's uh, um, very focused on James. But Stevie is still very out there. Uh, she would be my favorite character. Um, mm-hmm. I just really kind of relate to her and um, a lot of – the kind of situations she's been through I would relate with myself um but then there is a third character who I love and a lot of um my readers favorite character his name's Gray um Gray doesn't uh, come into the book probably until about halfway through but when he is in the book he's really in the book and I feel like a lot of readers would relate to him he's a real free spirit he's funny daring and charming um yeah, he's not like your typical popular guy, but he's just that that guy that everyone loves, I suppose. So uh, Gray, I think, after Stevie, um, would be one of my favorite characters. I feel like we, we all have that secret favorite. I mean, like, we're not supposed to like, <laughs> yeah. with, with children, but I definitely, when I'm writing, it's like, I, I know this person isn't the main character, but I just... I just want to talk about them a little bit more (laughs) Uh, yeah exactly I I, when I was uh, writing and when I was planning to write it I really thought um like I well I thought like because James is the protagonist he was going to be the one that I loved so (laughs) much but um generally I do love James and he is a great character in his own way but the way I relate to Stevie and then um how, how much I love Grey I feel like they'll always be kind of my favorites yeah. <laughs> and then also in the book there are also characters that I suppose you you love to hate so right. I don't love their personalities but I love them as being part of the book so uh James I suppose main um adversary is this leader the controller but um mm-hmm. he does have uh people his, his own age who are also trying to become wifiers that he doesn't get along with and I suppose they're those people namely Matthew and Tim um are very interesting characters in their own right even though they're not kind of people that I would want to be friends with myself mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they they bring something extra to the story but just maybe not one that you'd want in your own world yeah exactly now it's sort of switching gears a little bit here your day job is is in marketing and 
you also have a book blog. Was the book blog something that happened before you decided to start professionally writing? Or was that one of the things that was involved in, in getting your platform off the ground? Um, no. So the book the book blog came second. Um, mm-hmm. I used to have a, a blog years ago that um, I would talk about everything in, which would be um, books, movies, um, anything I loved really. Um, but I kind of stopped doing that um, years ago. And obviously yeah, I am in marketing and I suppose the best way to kind of get your book out there. And I heard this from a lot of other authors is kind of just um, sell to one person at a time. And I remember when I uh, first read that, I think it was uh, Michael J. Sullivan. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was just saying, it really is just sell one book at a time. And I thought, one book at a time like that's not good enough I, like I want to sell thousands of books. <laughs> yeah. but really like now um every single book that um I sell just gives me such like joy and it, re- it is so true like I, I'm just delighted with every single book and I can imagine if I was to sell millions of books it would still be the same case or every single review I get or every uh, email that someone sends me it makes me just as happy. So, um, yeah, I feel like the blog kind of came um, from wanting to get my book out there. Um, obviously, I'm in marketing, so um, I used to be a content writer. So that I essentially thought, well, mm-hmm. if I do it in my professional career, I can do it to, um, I suppose, market other people's products. I can do it for uh, my own book. So that's kind of where the book came from. Not mm-hmm. the book, but that's where the blog came from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's see, that's the thing I find hardest. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm much more introverted and my, my day job, I work very isolated. I'm, I'm out in the woods. So for me, when it comes to like selling, it's like one book at a time I can maybe manage because at least then it's like, it's just a one-on-one conversation, even if it's via like Twitter or something. Yeah. And it's so much harder when you're like staring at a room full of just eyes, right. That are just staring back at you. That's how so I feel like sometimes the, the blogs are like, talking to to the void of the internet can be (laughs) for me so I I admire your your ability to do that so easily yeah but you say that but you you also do your podcast I suppose is quite similar to that (laughs) if you don't know who you're talking to but um yeah it is I I really enjoy writing my blog um just much as I suppose not as much as I liked writing the book but it's something fun I suppose I do in my spare time so it's not really something that I find a track or anything like that other kind of ways I um have been marketing my book is I've sent it to um a few influencers um a few of them have uh, shared it on their Instagram which is great and then um I kind of discovered this bookstagram community which I've never heard about before (laughs) I've never seen before and um yeah I've sent it to um a good few of those and um I they only received them um in the last week or so so they haven't um I suppose, read them yet and review them, but mm-hmm. even them sharing them on their stories to say that it's arrived and things like that, I find all of that really helpful. And um, every time they did do that, I saw kind of my book sales go up a, a little. So um, yeah, they're kind of the ways I've been marketing my um, book. Is there anything else that I can think that I've been doing? Um, yeah, even just having friends share it on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just crazy how many people have said, oh, um, uh, I saw that you shared on your LinkedIn. Do you know that girl Kiva? Because I, I needed a book, so I just um, got her her book, and it's really good and things like that. So even just people that don't have a big following that share, um, or even just writing reviews, I, I find um, really helpful. Mm-hmm. 
I've definitely noticed as the, especially the the indie market with with books, as that's matured, you know, 10, 10 years ago, it was this brand new thing. And there were all sorts of tricks that you can use to, to play with the system. But now it really has proven that that word of mouth and just, you know, someone saying, hey, I, I, I read this book, I think you might like it, is is so much more valuable than, you know, just constantly promoting yourself necessarily. I mean, obviously you need both. But yeah. The, that word of mouth is is really the, the heavy hitter when it comes to selling more books. Yeah, I definitely think so. And I think when it's not coming from the author, um, people right. are, are more tending to believe it, which makes per- perfect sense. I would be the same. But um, yeah, I, I would agree. Yeah. So what's next for you? I mean, you, you mentioned that you have these these two other books in the series that you're working on. Do you have any idea when the second one's going to be coming out? So I hope to have the second one finished and released um, a year after the first one. So um, I suppose next December, um, hopefully the second one will be released. If I can write it as like easily as I could the first, then that shouldn't be a problem. Um, mm-hmm. I still have a full-time job, so it's kind of trying to balance the two. And um, obviously with the first one, we were in lockdown a lot of the time. We're, we are still in lockdown in London, um, <laughs> but hopefully that will ease up in the coming months and um, maybe I won't have as much time. But um, yeah, I hope to have the second one finished by finished and released by um, December. And then the third one, I suppose, the year after that. I also really want, to, there's a lot of short stories that could be written. Oh, um, yes. As I was saying, like the, it, it, it kind of jumps from Stevie and James's um, old life on Earth and back to torpor, torpor a lot. So um, there are a lot of short stories I could write, like endless about Stevie and James's life on Earth. So I think I'll also do that and add them to my blog um, as the months go on. Oh, that should be fun. Yeah. To, to be able to check those out on, on your website. I love it when authors share those little like behind the scenes or like deleted scenes or something. Those are always <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it's great. Uh, Michael K. Sullivan used to do it a lot. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, he, he kind of just uh, really um, inspired me in a lot of ways. Um, marketing, I suppose. Um, I think it's his wife that does most of his marketing. But um, yeah, he's, he is very good at that. Well, his wife's very good at that. <laughs> and then also, I suppose, just releasing my book was another kind of thing that um, he inspired me by. His books are now like obviously hugely famous, but um, uh, he couldn't get... Um, an agent anywhere couldn't get signed so he just decided I'm just gonna publish them myself and then um, I suppose a few years down the line then they got picked up and now they're huge mm-hmm. it's it's really neat to see the people who are just putting their head down and working hard at it succeed because I think a lot of times we do fall into that trap even as as indie authors if, if we're not necessarily interested in pursuing traditional publishing it can be hard to see these people with these massive marketing budgets behind them and these like teams of dozens of people. It's like, well, of course they're going to be successful, but it's also nice to see people who, you know, just do the hard work and do what they can when they can do it succeed as well, because it, you know, makes you realize, well, maybe I can do it too. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So speaking of, of your website and, and marketing, where can my listeners find you and find your book? So um, you can find me on Amazon is the main one, but there's another another few websites. Like if you're from the UK, um, Waterstone, Stocksit, um, yes. there's um, a few um, bookshops around Ireland that it's in. and um, But Amazon's the main one and all the links on my website um, go to Amazon. 
and it's kivamclaughlin.com is my website. Fantastic. I'll make sure to put those those links in the comments down below. Great. Thank you so much for joining me today and for talking to me about your awesome world. It sounds really fascinating. No, thanks so much for having me. It was really exciting and it was just great conversation in general. <laughs> well, I'm excited to, to check your book out and hopefully check out the second one uh, in less than a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully. <laughs> well, this has been the Amphibian Press Podcast. I'm V.S. Holmes. And with me today was Kiva McLaughlin. Thank you so much for listening.